Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You wish it was Canty and Carlin, but you got Katie George and Amber Wilson. They don't wish that. The guys, of course not. (laughs) Nobody in their right mind would wish that. This is ESPN Radio. You can find us on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And in case you missed it, Doug Brown just gave us an update. Deshaun Watson is still awaiting a possible suspension based on the findings from NFL disciplinary officer Sue Robinson's findings. Meanwhile, Amber, the Houston Texans today, it was announced, reached settlements with 30 women who were prepared to make claims against the NFL organization for its alleged role regarding sexual misconduct allegations. Some women said they enabled, the Houston Texans enabled Watson's behavior. 30 cases settled. Our own Mita Kimes, our ESPN NFL analyst, was just on part in the interruption. Here's her take on the settlements by the Texans. Why isn't the NFL looking at the Texans, or at least uh, publicly doing so? I mean, it's been over a month since the New York Times reported that the team not only provided Watson with a location to conduct some of these many, many massages, but also furnished him with a non-disclosure agreement after one of the women came out in public. Uh, And yet, from the NFL, crickets on the subject yeah. of the team, which I guess shouldn't be surprising given the lenience with which they've treated other teams, like the Washington football team, of course, amidst their own workplace scandal. But it doesn't mean it's right. And if the NFL does care about sexual misconduct, which remains to be seen in this case, they can't just look at the alleged perpetrator. They also have to look at the enablers, too. And I think that it's a fair case by Mina to make. Uh, because these women assert that the Texans enabled him by allowing him to use their facilities. Uh, They mentioned the non-disclosure agreement uh, that apparently was in Watson's locker at NRG Stadium. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Um, Now, allegedly because she had had made claims that she was going to take to social media and expose him for what he did to her, The Texans say, well, no, it was actually because she threatened to put his phone number on social media on Instagram. So Mm -hmm. that's getting into the weeds. My question to you, Amber, is do you think that the Texans deserve to be investigated for this by the NFL? Well, I think that there is a very specific reason that the Texans in the statement that they released today made it very clear that settlements are not an admission of wrongdoing. Because I do think that, of course, they're in protection mode because I think they recognize whenever there's allegations of any sort against a team for wrongdoing of any nature, then certainly you could get in trouble, maybe potentially with the NFL. And the NFL could launch an investigation into you. And I don't know where it would go. We have no idea the validity of any of these things. 
things, but I would imagine that that's one reason, Katie, why the Texans would maybe be encouraged to say it mildly to kind of rid itself of this potential problem as quickly as it could. And that's what I think you saw with these 30 settlements with the one woman who had filed a civil action against them, alleging those things that you just stated. And then the other potential 29 who might have. And this is the Texans way of trying to put it behind them uh, in terms of potential legal ramifications and maybe their way of trying to also move along as quickly as possible to try to, I guess, avoid the NFL looking into it too deeply. The NFL, of course, could still launch an investigation. What I said on Barton Hahn that I just thought was something worth bringing up here when I was on earlier with Randy Scott and Peter Burns, they were asking me sort of, what does this mean from the lawyer's perspective? Like, what does this all mean? And they also brought up the NDA and the allegations there that it was allegedly provided by the Houston and Texans. And I said, from the NFL perspective, I have zero idea if this is true. I have no personal experience with this when it comes to NFL teams with the league. However, I have represented my firm, me and my husband have represented dozens of NFL athletes um, and still do. And I said that it is not unusual in the world of professional sports for professional athletes to have people sign non-disclosure agreements for all sorts of things Mm -hmm. and to provide, um, including partners for a variety of different reasons and and masseuses and, uh, you know, sexual partners and all sorts of stuff, providing them non-disclosure agreements for all sorts of reasons. There's all sorts of reasons that a professional athlete might not want people speaking, and it doesn't necessarily rise to the level of criminality by any means, Katie. So it's not always like that. It's not always immoral. You know, there's other reasons that maybe these very high profile, very famous, very wealthy people wouldn't want people discussing uh, publicly things that they consider private in nature. And so non-disclosure agreements in the world of sports are, I would say, far more frequent than people realize on the outside. Now, one being provided by a team isn't something I personally have experience with. I have drafted non-disclosure agreements for players as their personal lawyers, but I have not seen a team provide one. However, I wouldn't be shocked if that was practice that wasn't necessarily just exclusive to the Houston, Texas, if in fact that was the case. And again, all allegations, we have no idea the validity of any of it. But from a league perspective, what Mina's suggesting there is if they look into the Texans, let's assume that maybe the Texans aren't the only team doing these things. And then what does it mean? Ramifications beyond just the Texans. And does the league want that revealed that maybe that's not so unusual, Katie, if a league or if a team was to provide a player with those sorts of things. And there, there could be some of that to this. Uh, there could be protection mode by the NFL. It might be one reason they're not investigating. We have no idea. Again, all allegations, all conjecture on my part. The NFL and teams within the NFL are supposed to protect their players. Absolutely. But they're also supposed to hold their players accountable when wrongdoing is done. So that is uh, the task of Sue L. Robinson, the NFL disciplinary officer. She's supposed to see if uh, he violated, he being Deshaun Watson, violated NFL policy. He had a three-day hearing before Robinson in late June. Uh, Sources have told our ESPN's Dan Graziano that the league has been arguing for a suspension of at least a year. Uh, So we will see. Robinson is still going through the information, still trying to come up with her findings and her ultimate decision. Uh, Watson would have the option to appeal a penalty if she does mandate that he is suspended. Uh, So we'll see. 
We've heard anywhere from the next couple of days that we'll hear from her, maybe a couple more weeks. So we will obviously bring you that news when we have it. But as of right now, Texans, they have settled 30 different cases uh, as of today. So and it's possible, by the way, that an investigation is still on. So that doesn't obviate the NFL from investigating the Texans. So there could still be additional fallout here as it regards to the Houston Texans, although they're very clearly trying to move on from the situation and trying to move on from everything as it relates to Deshaun Watson. Well, that and I think then the fallout possibly becomes uh, on the shoulders of the Cleveland Browns. They'll they'll shoulder that uh, responsibility, having traded for him and paying him the money that he does or the money that they will. You know, he's not the first athlete to be in hot water and have allegations brought against him. Uh, you know, I, I think of Big Ben. I think of, you know, the the adversity, if you even want to call it that, of Tiger Woods or the transgressions off the course. Um, there there have been athletes who have, have been in the headlines for the wrong reasons. If he, Deshaun Watson, does his suspension, he's suspended, he carries it out, and he comes back and he starts playing for the Cleveland Browns, is your viewpoint of him – as a woman, as a football fan, as a sports fan, as a media member, is your viewpoint in the way that you look at him tainted moving forward? I think the viewpoint of most people at this point uh, from the court of public opinion, because we know there the standard is exceptionally low, right? And we do jump to conclusions in the court of public opinion. And I Mm -hmm. think with the amount of allegations here, which is something that, frankly, we've never seen before, the amount of women uh, making such allegations as well. I do think that Deshaun Watson has has already lost, essentially, right, in the court of public opinion. Uh, But we also have seen this before in the NFL. Maybe not to this degree, Kate. As you mentioned, maybe not this many women or this many allegations, but certainly once that player comes back and they start winning again, if in fact he is winning and if in fact he is out there winning Super Bowls and living up to that contract for the Cleveland Browns, then better worse uh, and, and very arguably might be worse for a lot of people and a lot of NFL fans the world moves on and it just does. And that's the fact of it. Uh, so if he serves his suspension and he comes out and he's winning, then I think that it becomes a story of kind of yesteryear that we, that you know how it works with yep. these things. And, winning, and that's uh, just sort of how it goes. Winning this gives is you pretty remarkable colored. though. How many allegations? It's also why I'm surprised that there's still the four pending civil actions. I was always surprised that Watson frankly didn't settle all these things all sooner to try to move forward. Yeah. Yeah, winning gives you rose-colored glasses, uh, right or wrong. That's unfortunately um, just the reality of it. So we'll see what happens uh, with Watson and if he will actually have to carry out a suspension. All right, coming up, what does the DeAndre Ayton signing mean in terms of the largest free agent possibly on the trade? Kevin Durant. This is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. Katie George alongside Amber Wilson holding it down here on a Friday afternoon for the guys. And news broke last night just after Amber Wilson got off the air. And it always happens this way, that there's uh, something right 
right when you get off the air or a Friday late news dump uh, usually is when people you know, bury bad news. But this is good news because DeAndre Ayton is returning to Phoenix. So if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you are very, very happy, rejoicing that the big man is back uh, for more years to come with Devin Booker and co. The Suns match the Indiana Pacers' four-year, $133 million offer sheet for restricted free agent DeAndre Ayton, clearing the way for his return to the franchise. Certainly exciting news. Uh, Not really... um, I guess surprising, but I find it fascinating that they were going to potentially let him walk without making an offer for a max. So Phoenix said, hey, if you're agents and you can get a, a max offer, uh, we'll obviously revisit it. And they challenged uh, the agents and Aiton to do so, and they went out and they got themselves a max deal uh, from the Indiana Pacers. And to Phoenix's credit, Amber, they immediately matched that offer to keep him in Phoenix, and rightfully so. So Decided he was too valuable, too irreplaceable to let him walk. What did you make of the match for DeAndre Ayton? Well, by the way, we got the Friday news dump today from the Houston Texans, Always. right? But they didn't do it right uh, because they should have negotiated as part of their settlement <laughs> agreement that Tony Busby keep it numb until mum until about like seven p.m. Eastern. Uh, they did it. They did that news dump a little too early on a Friday. Uh, so DeAndre Ayton, uh, yesterday we got the news right before we went on the show here on Canty and Carlin that the Pacers had offered him the largest offer sheet in NBA history, which is remarkable. DeAndre Ayton's a good solid player. I mean, mm-hmm. but the fact that he got the biggest offer sheet in NBA history was was shocking, uh, but that's where the market is. And so we got the $133 million max offer for the restricted free agent, and the Suns were on deck, and I didn't know the news was going to come as quickly as it did and it did come down fairly quickly I mean they did not wait uh, any part of their 48 hours really to step up to the plate and match that offer so within hours we found out that the Phoenix Suns were going to pony up also and step up to the plate and give him the 133 million that otherwise he would have been getting from the Indiana Pacers and it's just DeAndre Ayton uh, showing him and his team showing that there was in fact the market out there that his Phoenix Suns team didn't seem to think there was I mean the Suns said we don't believe you're a max player well Katie you are worth what people are willing to pay you, right? And yes, the reality yeah. is that apparently he was a max player because there was a market out there for him. And the Indiana Pacers were like, hey, you want to come here during a rebuild? This could be a fun pairing with Halliburton. You're excited to come to Indiana. This doesn't happen to us all the time. We've never had a number one pick as part of our franchise in our entire franchise's history. Yes, we will pay you $133 million for you to come to this organization, which doesn't have an easy time attracting people to it and DeAndre Ayton was about it I mean it was about it also I think you know I think he liked it from a basketball perspective like I mentioned Halliburton there that that pairing but also I think he was about it because 133 million who wouldn't be about that Katie George and he was also able to stick it to the Phoenix Suns and it probably cost them Kevin Durant in the process yeah, it, it, I think it certainly cost them Kevin Durant because now they're not going to have the assets to be able to acquire KD in a possible trade. Uh, what's interesting, though, is how this will uh, their relationship will be moving forward, right? $133 million, you got to think, cures a lot of things. Probably but there was, helps. It probably helps. But there was certainly a fracture, and I think that's because they weren't willing to make him a max offer a year ago. And, and then we obviously see them – have a ton of success on the court. They had the best record in the regular season. They enter into the playoffs, and then, you know, they're bounced by the Mavericks. And I'm not sure if you remember that game seven, but he was on the bench 
for much of that second half. And, and you're sitting there scratching your head like, how is this guy who averages 18 points per game and is such a defensive monster on that end on the bench in a game seven? Well, Monty Williams was asked about it after. He said it's an internal matter. DeAndre Ayton didn't even speak to the media after the game seven loss. So you were wondering, gosh, is there something wrong between Ayton and this Phoenix Suns franchise? Certainly. Now, $133 million is awesome. But the only reason Phoenix offered it to him is because Indiana offered him first. Right. So I still think there's going to be a level of resentment for Aiton returning to Phoenix because in the back of his mind, he's always going to have the thought that they didn't think I was good enough to deserve this. And the only reason they matched it is because they didn't want to walk away, me to walk away and not get anything in return. Now, will Aiton be with the Phoenix Suns long term? Well, they at least have to keep him until January 15th. He also has veto power uh, to veto any trades that he doesn't like up to a year. Here's what Bobby Marks thinks about his future with the Suns. I would say 50-50. I think it's going to be a little – it's challenging for you know, him to be traded post-January 15th just based on, you know, he's got veto power. Um, he can approve or disapprove any trade. That goes away when we hit July 1 next year here. So I think certainly with him on the roster, they're still one of the – best teams in the Western Conference here. But, you know, if you weren't willing to pay him top dollar as a free agent, you were basically, you're basically forced, you know, what does that mean as far as him being part of your future? So I would say probably 50-50. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of splitting it down the middle here. But um, I think there's still a lot, of, a lot to be played out. I'm interested in what he says when he gets introduced to the media. I'm interested in having yeah. a training camp when he gets to see all his, uh, his teammates and everything. It's interesting because I think Phoenix ultimately was holding out by not offering him a sign-and-trade situation because they wanted to have the assets to possibly acquire KD. Well, now that Aiton is returning, they don't have that. Here's how Adrian Wojnarowski views the KD situation. It makes it harder because while Brooklyn didn't have an interest in Aiton, Aiton could have been an asset moved around in in a three- or a four-team deal to maybe get Brooklyn something they wanted uh, in a Kevin Durant trade. And so now you look at Phoenix's roster and Devin Booker can't be traded. They weren't going to trade Devin Booker in any deal, but he can't be traded for a year because he just signed that new extension. Aiton, again, January 15th, or maybe not at all for a year if he doesn't uh, agree to it. And now, now Mikel Bridges is an outstanding young player. Cam Johnson's a good young player. Um, and then your picks, and you go, does Phoenix really have enough um, to uh, to make the kind of knockout offer that Brooklyn would want for Kevin Durant? Phoenix was one of the leaders in the clubhouse to get KD. Uh, now they are not. Does this make you happy, Amber Wilson? I still think it's an uphill battle trying to get him to Miami, but at least Phoenix is now out of the way. I thought it was almost all but a done deal to Phoenix. So, yes, it makes me very happy. <laughs> when I saw the Pacers offer this as an offer sheet, not a sign-and-trade type scenario, to Aiton, and we knew the Suns were going to have to pony up or lose their former number one overall pick for absolutely nothing, which is pretty unheard of, particularly when you're talking about a 23-year-old who has been a key piece 
to that team, a team that at one point was just two wins away from a championship, then you knew that it was going to be all but over, at least for the time being for them with Kevin Durant. And of course, as a Miami Heat fan, there was only one other team on that list. Now, as you said, I still think it's an upheld battle uh, for the Miami Heat as well. And it doesn't all come down to where KD wants to be. We know the Nets wield a lot of power as well when they're exploring trade options. They don't have to listen to KD. It's still in their best interest, probably, to circle him into the conversation. Uh, You don't want him miserable. No team's going to want to trade for him if he's going to be miserable there. Uh, He's a consummate professional. It'd be hard to imagine him not playing for an organization, but it probably doesn't benefit anybody if he's showing up and not really trying or not really in it uh, with his heart. And and that might be the situation in Brooklyn as well when people keep talking about maybe trying to mend fences there in Brooklyn. Uh, Maybe that wouldn't be in the best in, in interest of anybody if KD is super committed to moving on from Brooklyn. So although he's under contract and it's not all about what KD wants, at the end of the day with the kind of power that particular player yields, uh, yeah, it probably is kind of about what he wants. Yeah, I would think so. And we'll have to wait and see. All right. I mean, if he really wants to go to the Suns, though, he could wait a year. Like, that's the other option. And then they could trade away Aiden at that point. But He could, but they can't talk about it because that would be tampering at this point. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens to KD. We're currently on KD and Kyrie Watch now that Aiden is off the board and returning to the Phoenix Suns. Coming up, uh, could a live golf um, franchise get its first big personality soon to join their coverage? We're going to talk about that next on Canty and Carlin. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Katie George, Amber Wilson on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And at one of the most iconic golf courses in the entire country, entire world, excuse me, uh, had a pretty emotional scene unfold as Tiger Woods uh, walked up the 18th hole uh, to a standing ovation. He unfortunately misses the cut after finishing the second round of the Open Championship, three over. And it was pretty telling. Those that he golfed with, his playing partners, Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homa, they stopped behind him, as did their caddies, uh, to give him a moment as he walked up by himself. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, two of his friends who absolutely love playing alongside him and competing against him, were there waiting for him, applauding him. And it's emotional because we don't know when we're going to see Tiger Woods play next. Certainly a commendable and incredible comeback by him after what was a severe, severe car crash. We didn't know if we'd ever see him play golf again. He's worked his way back, uh, but unfortunately just not playing at the level that we're so used to seeing Tiger Woods play at, and rightfully so. So we don't know if we're going to see Tiger back at St. Andrews ever again, just because it's going to be some time uh, until the Open rounds back out to St. Andrews, I think 2030. It is 2027 at the earliest, and it seems earliest. maybe more like 2030. So you're, you're talking about a Tiger Woods in, in his 50s the next time it's at St. Andrews. And it was emotional as he, he wiped away tears coming up on that that final green and you know I I just think of what an icon he's been for the sport what an icon he's been for sports fans even who don't follow golf Um, and he said you know this isn't my retirement 
but I just don't know when I'll be back here. And so he, he had all the feels um, with the fans in the stands today after missing the cut. A lot of people call St. Andrews the home of golf, right? And, and so they associate golf with that place. And I'm sure for Tiger, it is incredibly emotional because he knows everything that obviously his body has gone through, the steps that he's taken, the steps back, frankly, that he's taken as well. And he's out there fighting and he's fighting now to even make the cut, certainly something that he's not accustomed to in his career. But then in terms of the British Open, not coming around to St. Andrews again and just kind of knowing that that's probably not likely that he'll be out there, maybe even competing at all by the time he's in his 50s. But even if he is, maybe he won't be competing at the British Open anymore. And so an emotional Tiger Woods, I think it's a recognition, Katie, also of just where he is at this point in his career. And he's so grateful for every moment of it now because he knows none of it is promised. And there's probably some realization there after everything that he's gone through these last couple of years, particularly this last year and coming back from a car accident that at one point he thought he was never going to be able to walk again after. Mm -hmm. So it's remarkable that he's out there and he's not the worst golfer out there. He wasn't the worst (laughs) golfer. No, he wasn't. So there's that. He didn't make the cut, but he wasn't the worst. There's always somebody worse. Um, It wasn't by far his uh, best playing performance, but it doesn't mean that he can't sit at a microphone and throw some shade on others. He was extremely critical of um, the PGA Tour players who were lured to the Saudi Arabian finance circuit uh, called Live Golf. He said he he disagrees with it. He thinks what they've done is they've turned their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Um, Obviously, the most notable person to come out and speak against those who have joined Live Golf events and have made boatloads of money playing in those events. Um, This is... By far not the last time we will hear golfers um, chastise or criticize those who have gone. And we also heard golfers who are playing in the Open Championship this weekend who said, yeah, we've got a little bit extra juice because it's it's now like everybody's against us because what we've done by playing in those events in Portland and, and prior. So Live Golf, uh, a, certainly a point of contention for a lot of people in the game of golf, um, but they could be getting a pretty big personality uh, to come over and join uh, the media coverage of Live Golf. And who do I mean? Uh, Mr. Charles Barkley said that he has a meeting set with Greg Norman, um, and he's going to talk about what they possibly want him to do, how he fits into coverage of Live Golf. But he says, look, it's a, it's a business decision. You always hear ideas and opportunities for yourself. That doesn't mean he's necessarily going to do it. But does Charles Barkley uh, covering Live Golf move the needle for you at all? Uh, where no. am I going to watch him covering live golf? I think that's the biggest question, right? Is it on YouTube? Uh, so it is. No, it doesn't. I mean, Tiger Woods going over to live golf, I think, would probably move the needle. Doesn't seem like he's going to do that, Katie, uh, with his recent comments, even though they had offered him reportedly almost a billion dollars to consider doing that. Tiger obviously not interested in doing so. Uh, I'm not surprised coming from Charles Barkley. Uh, let's be real. He's not somebody who's always shied away from the controversy, and he's saying that. These are just conversations. So who knows if this is a negotiating tactic with anything else he's doing media wise or if there's legitimacy to this. Obviously, Live Golf interested in in trying to throw as much money as much big names as they can right now. They certainly have the money backed by that Saudi fund. uh, But it costs you when you join Live. Now, it doesn't necessarily cost you what you're getting paid by Live. And that's part of the trade off there, I guess. I mean, Bridgestone recently dumped DeChambeau. So the sponsorships get lost when you decide to join Live Golf. How does it affect Barkley in terms of his other jobs? Or is he going to get 
dropped from his NBA coverage because no. he goes over to live golf and Hell he does some no. stuff with a company that's backed by the Saudis with their human rights violations. I can understand him wanting to have conversations to see what they even want him to do. He says he doesn't even know what they want him to do yet, but I don't know, Katie, if you make this move, if you're Charles Barkley, I think it'll come down to what else it could cost him and, and what he's willing to give up because it does seem to be costing some things as well, even though you're making a whole lot of money. It does. But if anybody can uh, get away with doing something like this and it not costing them a lot, it's Charles Barkley because he is such an interesting character. Everybody absolutely loves him uh, and they love his rawness and realness in everything that he does, no matter what platform it's on. It'll be curious to see if Live Golf feels the need to make a partnership with a broadcaster. Uh, obviously, ESPN, CBS, NBC, they have current rights to major uh, PGA Tour events. Uh, I don't ever foresee them engaging and, and even entertaining the idea. But, you know, the Saudi Arabian group is not interested in making money. They have said that from the very beginning when they created Live Golf. But at the same time, you still need people to watch to be able to grow your event, to be able to grow your entity. And right now it's on YouTube TV or maybe just YouTube. I don't even think it's on YouTube TV. I think you just literally search it when you get to YouTube. That's the problem. I think you have to have a viable broadcast partner uh, for this event to continue to grow and to continue to be a, a legitimate rival uh, of the PGA Tour. So, of course, there's going to be so much more drama. It's the gift that keeps on giving in summer radio, uh, that being Live Golf and the rivalry it has with PGA Tour. We're going to um, roll back some of the TV gold moments from last night in the world of baseball in case you missed it. That's next on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Orlovsky is a monster. Uh, he is on every entity that is ESPN. He is so unbelievably talented as an NFL analyst, as a college football analyst, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend. But sometimes, Amber, his takes on Twitter are terrible. He just tweeted, red wine of all kinds, okay, all-encompassing, should be drank, chilled with ice cubes in what? it. No. And I think that that is a little bit barbaric. What say you? I mean, it sounds like you know Dan better than I do. I just know about Dan's hot takes. Uh, I haven't gotten to have the pleasure of working directly with him yet. What I do know, though, about Dan Orlovsky, beyond, of course, his exceptional football knowledge, is that his palate appears to be pretty akin to, like, my three-year-old son. Terrible. I would say. Yeah. And now, given my three-year-old son, Katie, doesn't have much experience with mommy juice, which is what we call red wine in my house. But if he did, he'd probably also want ice cubes in it because that is... Is childish beyond childish and if you want ice cubes in your red wine you probably shouldn't be drinking red wine maybe nothing um at all uh you should probably be carded at the bar because that is a lack of sophistication on dan orlovsky's part now 
real wine drinkers will tell you, right, that red wine should be slightly chilled. Like if you have it in your wine fridge, the red wine portion of the fridge is still slightly cool. And that is how they serve it in the finest of restaurants and establishments. Fine. Ain't nobody putting ice cubes in it. That ain't slightly chilled. Dan, what the heck are you doing? I'm I'm looking at a picture that he recently uh, posted with his beautiful wife. It was uh, their 13th year anniversary. Oh, bless her. Um, but he in front of him has a fruity drink with uh, cherries in it and a straw that looks oh, somewhat that like it. a pina colada. So I, I just don't feel like we should be taking uh, wine advice from this uh, connoisseur. From the guy served. drinking the pina colada? Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'll... I'll mess with a good pina colada every once in a while, but I also appreciate my wine. Now, I will say I do pull the sin, Katie, although I recognize it is one, of putting ice cubes in my white wine. Sometimes that's a strategy in order to make sure that the wine doesn't hit me quite as fast. Water it down a little bit more. But that's the whole problem with putting ice in wine. It I'm waters it down. Fi- it dilutes I'm it. It's disgusting. I'm Although fine white, chilling a white wine because we all can't chill it in time to have it as a nice, refreshing drink. So if you have to throw in a cube and it waters it down to a degree, I'm okay with that. Red wine? No, you just can't. You absolutely cannot do it. I don't care if it's a Chianti, a Cab, a Merlot, a Pinot Noir. That's all the red wines I can think of at this point. A, a blend. <laughs> all of them. No They're ice all cubes. Excellent. This show, by the way, has been excellent. Uh, getting to discuss Christopher Maloney's uh, body and red wine with you. I love sports radio with another woman. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canty and Carlin rolls on. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Katie George alongside Amber Wilson. We would like to thank our guests who joined us today on Canty and Carlin. Bobby Marks, our ESPN front office insider. Jeremy Fowler, our ESPN NFL reporter, giving us all the news on deals that have yet to be done. Travis Wingfield of the MiamiDolphins.com. Chris Carlin, the host of Canty and Carlin, who already Stop by his own today. show. It's kind of him. Very odd. And Joe Reedy, who (laughs) covers the Chargers for the Associated Press. Thank you all so much for joining us today and making our show that much better. Now it is time for three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Three and Out is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways you could save. All right, so last night the New York Mets were facing the Chicago Cubs, and as is tradition at Wrigley Field, a cup snake appeared. The SNY broadcast team was fascinated by the phenomenon, so they sent Steve Gelbs to interview a fan at the center of the process. The segment was pretty remarkable. Here is what it sounded like when Gelbs talked to Jake in the bleachers. First off, I want to say hi to my mom, Kelly Johnson, my family, James, Allie, Jim. Love you guys. Basically, the snake starts sixth, seventh inning. Everyone's got a few beverages in. Someone stands up and goes, give me your cups. Give me your cups. You see a snake form up in the beginning. Everyone throws the cups. 
Now what? Was the eighth inning? Seven. Basically the eighth, Steve. Yeah. And it goes all the way up. It goes from the- all the way up, and that's all form. It's pretty simple. Basically the eighth, Steve. And I'm actually looking at the broadcast coverage, the images. It is a long snake. I mean, it's impressive. It's got to be, right? Your forearm, like, and your 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 bicep has to get tired just holding that thing up. I mean, you have to work together as a team. Yeah, it's an impressive feat, and you're right. I think it says something about teamwork, right? There's probably a message to be had from Jake in the bleachers. I applaud SNY because not just because I used to work for them, but also because (laughs) this is the kind of interviews I want during baseball games. You know, we need to. We need to make baseball more popular with young people. Katie George, how often do you hear that? It feels like cup snakes, beer snakes. It's the way to do it, right? Yeah, it is. Jake in the bleachers. He's on to something. He is helping the future of baseball one cup at a time. One cup at a time. You know who's not helping um, J.J. Watt's future? Whoever uh, made his recent bobblehead. His newest bobblehead um, looks a lot like... Carson Wentz, if we're being honest, and um, it's not a happy Carson Wentz, which is is telling. I feel like Carson Wentz has been unhappy for quite some time. Uh, that's a sidebar. But J.J. Watt tweeted, I can't be the only one that sees a sad Carson Wentz, right, on his Twitter page, and there is a picture of the new bobblehead. And I got to be honest, it does look like a very, very sad Carson Wentz, does it not? Uh, Maybe Carson will turn things around in Washington. You never know. Uh, He does appear, though, to be immortalized as sad and then sold as J.J. Watt. And I don't know what to make of this. I mean, J.J. Watt acknowledging himself. He said he tweeted out, I can't be the only one who sees a sad Carson Wentz. Right. And it is dead on Carson Wentz. So I don't know much about the production of bobbleheads, Katie, but it. It feels like the bobblehead maker was looking at the wrong picture of the football player. And also. Why did they make him sad? Like, why is a bobblehead of anybody sad when it's an NFL player bobblehead? Yeah, I think it's a facial hair, right? I mean, they've got that kind of mustache going into his uh, beard. Well, it's the eyebrows. Like, his eyes are like, they look sad the way his eyebrows are positioned. And then the eye black almost even looks sad the way it's drooping. The whole thing's sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, what's not sad is that whoever wins the uh, home run derby is going to get some bling, not just bragging rights. Uh, the 2022 MLB home run derby winner will walk away uh, with a custom chain and pendant featuring the words derby champ um, and 525 gypsy set uh, Swarovski crystals. So um, there's some bling. You know, summer league, it's, they just they got rings. Bling. It's, you know what? It's I, bling. I don't it looks it. like a wrap. I mean, it's a rapper's chain is what it is. Um, well, it's, and- it's not because it's crystals. Well, so that's what I was going to say. I mean, I don't need to. I don't mean to sound bougie. Right. But um, well, if you're going to do it, we're talking be about professional, very wealthy baseball players in a non-salary cap sport. Do they appreciate now? Swarovski crystals are still very expensive for the rest of us. But do they appreciate the Swarovski crystal? Because I feel like it's supposed to be diamonds. Yeah, I don't know if they appreciate it or not. Uh, the question that Eric, our great producer of this show, has asked is, does it add extra incentive? I hope not. I mean, because if that's what you're you're gunning for, you got a problem. The Summer League youngins, they're gunning for Summer League rings. That's new this year, Amber. I don't think we need to be giving out rings to a Summer League team. Well, Maybe see, the that MVP... I, I feel a little no. differently about, though, because no. those players are so no. young. 
That no. might be the only ring they ever no, get. No, it is Katie. a bad precedent to set to young kids. Were those no. diamonds? No, those are crystals too. It's not a participation trophy, though. You're in the NBA. I mean, you're playing for the NBA. You're the top one percent of everybody who's ever played your sport, right? So I don't know. That's a participation trophy, and you won. You won summer league. Makes you the best at something. I don't really know what. At the off season of games that don't matter. That's what it makes you the best of games that don't matter. It's funny that we're going with crystals for like these kind of more Bobo awards. My, uh, my now husband, he asked me, uh, when we were possibly thinking about getting engaged, do you want the crystals on the side? And I I just said, just so we are clear, I said, just so we're clear here, none of that should be crystals. Do you understand? Or do you have, do you need, have you gotten it tested? (laughs) I should. I think I have a a certificate. Maybe I should actually take a good hard look at it. Thank you so much for joining us. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Katie George. This is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.